Welcome back to another episode of SpinCast. I'm CJ Collins. With me, Josh Buchanan and Travis Yang, both experts in the StarCraft space and um, in the Collegiate Esports space. Uh, welcome, Josh and Travis. Hey, thanks for having us. Likewise, thank you for having us. Of course. Um, so if we just want to start with a basic background, like who are you guys? Where'd you come from? Just give me a little bit of your story. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start, um, sure. but our stories will converge for sure. Um, so I guess uh, I, I started playing esports initially um, with StarCraft around 10th grade, which uh, oh, this, this ages me, but I guess that was 2010, I think, 2010, 2011, something like that. Um, and it was my first competitive game at all. Um, I remember I started out in Bronze League. And then, uh, not my proudest moment here, but 10th grade Josh just said it would be a good idea to pay his friend who was in Diamond League $5 to boost him from Bronze League to Silver League in StarCraft back in the day. And uh, yeah, not my proudest moment, but uh, that's like shows how kind of like rock bottom I was initially. Um, everything was new. I had never played a competitive game. I think my computer actually had like five FPS initially. So like my... I remember one of my friends was trying to teach me about kiting, you know, where you go back and forth and shoot and move and shoot. And he was like, he had no idea why I couldn't understand that concept. And then when he saw I had five FPS, he understood why I could not kite in StarCraft. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, started playing that. Um, eventually met some cool people who were willing to help me out. Um, slowly got better and eventually hit around Masters League. And that's when a bunch of my teammates ended up joining this new team called StarCraft Ascension. And uh, originally, I don't even think I was really good enough to join, but one of my friends vouched like, oh, just let this guy in. He's a nice guy. And uh, th that was actually Travis's team that he started. Cool. So uh, over time uh, with that team, I got better, reached Grandmaster League, started playing for their academy team. And then that team grew into a much bigger team that ended up being a big team in the, the, the StarCraft space at the professional level. So I started doing some like team management for them. And then right around that like time where I started going more towards the management side rather than the competitive play side is when I graduated from college. Cool. So, um, and basically I graduated from college two days later, uh, flew out from my interview in Ohio to uh, interview for Ashton University's head esports coach job and uh, started there a month later. And uh, we've been building the program there ever since. And we've been around for going on three years now. That's awesome. Yeah, great story. Great. You know, you love to see the upbringings from that professional community and being a part of that. The StarCraft community, I mean, back in the day was one of the biggest and the best, right? It's kind of like the legacy of esports. It's definitely one of the places where it kind of was homegrown. Yeah, I don't think it shaped it. Yeah, for sure. Travis, give me a little bit of your story. I know you guys, you and Josh connected at some point along the way, but you started in org and decided to run with it at one point, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, similar story to, to Josh, you know, we both started out small, you know, working our way up. Um, I personally uh, went a different route at the start, though. I, I personally had a, a, a greater interest in the management side of things. Cool. Um, I still was StarCraft too. you know, I loved the game. I played Brood as a little kid. But freshman year of high school, you know, I, I said, oh, let's start a team with my friends, you know, just bronze people, stuff like that. Um, but I like recruiting. I like talking to people, you know, getting to know people and, and building communities. Uh, just took it there year by year. And sure enough, um, by, by the end of, you know, 2018, 2019, it had reached a point where we had grown to such a size and, and we were one of the top three teams in North America to where we were able to, you know, fly people out across the country, support people to lands and actually 
you know, support them in their competitive uh, pursuits, which was always a passion of mine. And, and that transition actually, um, unknown to me at that time, it transitioned very nicely into to the collegiate scene because growing up and being in college, what was fulfilling for me about running the team was I had friends who were on the team, people like Josh, who played or, or helped manage, and they were my age, right? And they were in college, and I got to help them do what they wanted to do. And then going into college, now I got to do that for students because when I was a student going through University of Missouri, they didn't have esports, they didn't really even have a gaming club. Um, so as soon as I got out, I was like, you know, obviously working hand in hand with Josh. Um, but I remember a lot of our conversations were, how can we create an experience for the students that we didn't have? And so that's kind of guided my methodology and, and Josh has done a great job. He's been a, a great influence in how I've, you know, now that I'm down here in San Antonio trying to start it all over again, I'm always thinking back to, you know, what were the, the guiding principles that we went in with Ashland and how can I take those and apply those here at, at Tamusa? Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit more, Travis, about that Texas A&M San Antonio campus. What kind of program is it? Just give me the, if I had never heard of your program before, what were the highlights of it? Sure. So it's, it's uh, the campus and kind of the history is, is the opposite of Ashland in the sense that we are pretty much brand new. Uh, we're the newest campus to the newest institution in the A&M system, I believe founded in 2009. Whereas I think for Ashland, they had just celebrated, what was it, like 100 70 years something something like that some big number some big number so um you know uh, the the campus is new um our esports program is obviously new headed into the first year here so inaugural year um so a lot of my work over the summer despite the pandemic was recruiting and just making sure we could have students to fill teams and uh, be able to compete in 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 this uh this fall semester and fortunately i was able to, to hit all those goals and we do have teams competing now in season Cool. What's yeah. what? What games did you guys start with? What were the first? For us? Yeah. Uh, the five are running right now. We got Rocket League, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Valorant, Overwatch, uh, and Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. Wow, that's a lot of teams to kind of jump in with in the beginning. I love it, dude. It is. It's uh, it's a lot of work. I I may have put a little bit too much on myself, but uh, <laughs> as as jo- Josh knows, but uh, it, it's for the it, it, it's good. It's good. The students love it and. You know, it's worth it at, in the, at the end of the day for that. Cool. Josh, tell me a little bit about Ashland. Tell me about that program, what you guys have going on. Um, yeah. So we're kind of, at least initially, we're known as a Fortnite school okay. because, uh, like, we, so um, a lot of the way um, these smaller institutions treat esports is kind of like they see it as first a great opportunity for students to connect, but also a great opportunity for them to bring new students into their institution who they might not have found otherwise. Students maybe outside of their geographic region, things like that. So um, in the process of trying to attract new students, one thing we thought would be awesome, and actually I kind of saw the potential in it as an esport, was Fortnite. And this was back in April of 2018, I guess. And uh, no other, Fortnite didn't even really have an esports scene yet. It was just this game that was blowing up on Twitch, like the media was talking about it. And we decided, oh, let's be the first school to add it. And it was, I was not prepared for the level of attention and media publicity that we would get. Like, I think we made the announcement and then three days later, Good Morning America was on our campus. It was wow. insanity, uh, articles everywhere. Um, but yeah, so that was cool. But for me, like, again, it was awesome. I'm glad that we can have, we have a pretty large Fortnite team now, but for us, it's just another game that we can support our students' passion for, you know? Um, yeah. So, I guess one thing that makes our program unique is that I think 
when you think of maybe like the three biggest collegiate esports, you're probably thinking Rocket League, you're thinking League of Legends, and you're probably thinking Overwatch in terms of like schools that participate in them. And uh, for us, we actually don't have Rocket League or League of Legends. Um, part because of Travis's background while he was here, actually, we ended up diving really deep into Counter-Strike, um, which I think is really exciting. I think the collegiate Counter-Strike team is pretty fun to watch. Um, I think Counter-Strike is a game that no matter how much you understand, you can appreciate it at some level, you know, whether it's at a super basic level, like, like I understand it at, um, or at like a, a bigger level, like Travis might understand it at. So, um, but yeah, basically our goal, um, we've all, we've done this pretty much from the beginning, is just to provide unique experiences and opportunities. My background similar to Travis in that we had all these friends that were college age um, that we worked with through Sloth Esports, uh, his premier StarCraft team. And through that experience, you know, we just came to really enjoy helping others um, get to do things they wouldn't get to do otherwise, have cool experiences, um, just pursue their passions. So for us, that's our goal first and foremost. If one of those things means that we're winning some championships, doing some cool stuff, that's awesome. That's just a piece, a small piece of the puzzle that is just trying to provide them with the best experience possible. Absolutely. Um, I love it. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of games? Tell me a little bit about what games you guys actually can be. You talked a little bit about Fortnite, but I'm sure that in Counter-Strike, but I'm sure there's others. Yeah. So Counter-Strike, Fortnite. Um, we also do Overwatch, Hearthstone, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So yeah. those are our five titles. Um, I think they're pretty fun. Um, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate was the one we added and I like wasn't sure about it because I feel like with Smash games, like especially like the new ones, they kind of the community starts with one and then moves to the next and moves to the next. And I was curious to see how the this particular um, with Ultimate, how the community would foster. But I think it's actually been really cool. And it's awesome to see a growing community on campus of people who play both casually and competitively. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about the recruitment process. Um, a lot of our kids actually watch these podcasts because um, we run a recruitment league for Rocket League and Rainbow Six Siege. So um, the first question would be, how do you find students for your program currently? If I'll, I'll throw it to you first, Josh. Um, yeah, so it's at first when we got here, it was kind of just like a throw at everything at the wall and see what sticks type model um, where you just try to find them wherever you can. Any, anywhere you can find someone who is unique, has a lot of potential. It's a good opportunity, it's great. Um, but now we look a lot in the, oddly enough, not really the high school specific discords, but rather like the semi-pro discords. Like for Fortnite, one big discord we use is the East Open Discord. It's got like a ridiculous amount of people in it. Like I don't even know how many people are in the discord, but that's been an awesome source for us. Um, there's a lot of different uh, uh, recruiting boards on different websites that we use frequently. Um, cool. But a lot of it's just connections with our players. Um, we're fortunate enough that we have a pretty large team. We have uh, just under 50 people on our team. And uh, a lot of it is making connections with the students already who already go there, actually. We have, like, I'd say about, of, like, the 10 recruits we brought in, I'd say at least five of them were people who actually had already made connections with people on our team. We kind of understood that they uh, would be a really good culture fit for us, that they had the work ethic, they had the right attitude. And I think that goes a long way. Um, and, and knowing if you want someone. Also, I think um, having someone who um, just expresses interest long-term is great too. You know, yeah. someone might see this opportunity and think like in the moment, like, oh, that's great, we should go for it. But then they might change their mind a month later. But if someone has been following our team for several months, maybe even a, over a year for some of these uh, the students, 
you can tell that they have real interest and that they really want to be engaged in what you're doing. And I think that is really important. Sure. How about you, uh, Travis, as you kind of built your new programs, you know, you had to go through that recruiting cycle. And I'd imagine because you didn't have the, the, the Ashland name at that point, it might have been a little bit more challenging. So tell me a, a little bit about that process for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and in terms of, you know, guiding principles, uh, I won't repeat what Josh said, but, but absolutely what he said. Um, I'll kind of focus more on kind of a, a process in terms of practical, uh, you know, application. Um, for us in particular, our esports on this campus is housed under Rec Sports, which is different from from Ashland. And right now, in in the in the collegiate esports environment, I don't know the exact split, you know, the percentages, but I'd, I'd say athletics is probably a little bit more prevalent for esports to be housed under um, as opposed to Rec Sports or Student Life. Uh, but nonetheless, there's still quite a few programs that are under uh, like Rec Sports or Student Life. So we're under Rec Sports, um, and what that means for me is that esports is something that we do want to compete, right? And we, we want to recruit for and compete against other schools against. But it's also, it, it needs to have a component where it serves the current student population on campus as a service, right, to the students, um, which I think is good, right? It, it fosters the growth of gaming and, and uh, the esports e culture on campus. Um, so when I look at students, my number one kind of first step is to advertise to the current student population, whether it be through forums, through our discourse, through social media, just getting the word out there, which is still something I'm having to do right now. Sure. Uh, again, not, not to beat a dead horse, but obviously the pandemic has, has made things harder. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Totally. So, you know, we, we have students who legitimately have not been on campus since, you know, spring break. And as a result, it's hard for them to kind of see the posters or see the stuff that they would normally use to, to hear about things. So, you know, we still have freshmen, like, you, you know, just yesterday I find out there's a freshman, he's like, didn't even know we had esports still. Um, you know, it's good that we finally got in front of them, but, you know, we're still trying to go through kind of those, uh, those types of types of barriers. Um, but after we get their attention, you know, we direct them to your standard kind of interest form, asking questions about um, their background, kind of just basic stats and, and their experiences, if, if applicable. Uh, from there, we'll, we'll, it's up to me to narrow, you know, filter through that list and actually reach out to them. We'll go through like a standard phone call, uh, as you do with, you know, normal traditional student athletes and traditional sports. Uh, and like Josh said, that's the really, uh, that's the best time to figure out and learn about their mindset and kind of their own approach and their own experiences to gaming and see how that fits and if that matches the culture that we're trying to build. Sure. Um, absolutely, what Josh said, uh, our approach for this first year and going into year two is, you know, winning is good. Obviously, uh, we'll take a, if we can have a, a great playoff run or even uh, snag a tournament win, that's always, always uh, good. But what's more important to me is, is creating that foundation, right? If you can create a good team culture in that first year, that's what will ultimately attract students in the future to come and, and want to be a part of your program, right? When they come and, and whether it be through a campus visit or they're playing online through a tryout, and they're playing with our group of people and they're like, hey, these people are just genuinely good people. I wanna be a part of that. But regardless of how good they are, right? They wanna, that, that creates a compelling kind of argument to, for, for students to say, I wanna contribute my time and my talent to this program. So yeah. a lot of focus on, on the foundation there. Cool. Um, aside from that, it, it's all kind of similar to what I'd imagine all other esports programs do, you know, just the tryouts, having them play and, and just getting feedback from the team and and taking it from there and having them apply to school, stuff like that. 
Cool. No, I love it. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's an interesting time in the world with COVID going into these semesters with some guys are some guys are on campus, some guys aren't on campus and you have some remote players and some in-person players and trying to manage all those pieces. So totally understand that, you know, the collegiate space is definitely a struggle right now. Um, but I think great answers from both of you being able to really define like that culture piece, right? You know, you have to make sure that you create that good environment so that it's, it's an environment of learning and passion and dedication. So people want to show up to practice as opposed to the opposite where it can become a point where you don't really want to show up to practice because of those different factors. So I think that's really smart. You guys are focusing on those things. Um, yeah, if I could, sure. if I could actually just add on to what Travis said a little bit. Um, one thing I would, I would especially for um, any new program out there, anyone who's just starting recruiting for their program year one, year two, um, I would highly, highly implore you to give up some short-term competitive gains if someone isn't the right fit for your program. Um, find those people that fit, even if someone maybe isn't as good right now. Um, if they have a great attitude, they're willing to improve, they're coachable, like pick them up instead. Like uh, it's definitely better to be weaker competitively year one, but have an amazing culture. Like for instance, uh, our Overwatch team started out, everyone was gold or platinum league in Overwatch. And then over the years, we've had people who have slowly gotten better and they've pushed each other to get better because one, they've developed these deep friendships and deep uh, like, I guess, care for each other and investment in each other. And then that's led to them slowly getting better. And now our team is grandmaster and top 500 average because they took the time to invest in each other. And because when recruits come and play with our team, they feel that energy, they feel that care. They, they could tell that they really, really care about each other and that they're invested in each other. And then that has led to our program's growth in the long term. where I feel like if we had maybe gone for someone who had a less good attitude um, was less coachable initially in year one, we might not be where we're at today because we kind of took the, we went for the short-term gains rather than the long-term cultural gains that'll result in your program growing over time. Sure. And that's such a teamwork based game, right? Like Overwatch specifically, it's like you have to, it's all about the teamwork and how you execute on those, those plays. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, switching gears a little bit here. Um, I know that you guys are both on the board of directors for NACE. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you guys ended up in that role and what that real program and process looks like over there at NACE. And I'll, I'll shoot it over to you first, Travis, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, and, and just to clarify real quick, because I'm sure Josh will, uh, technically Josh is on the competition council, Got it. Uh, which is a, it's a, it's a, it's a leadership group, but it's not technically the board of directors. Got it. Um, Sorry, uh, I misspoke. No, 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 you're fine. Council. You're fine. You're fine. And, and that's similar to, to me. Uh, uh, for the past year and a half, pretty much, I was on the eligibility committee, okay. which is another one of the, the leadership uh, committees. Uh, it wasn't only until the past, what, maybe two months now since the national convention, I, I got uh, nominated and elected to the, to the board. Cool. Uh, but that's been, that's been a whole journey in itself. Um, Josh and I, uh, we, we attended, I think, was the, their first national convention it was. And we, I think we've been to every national convention since then. It's been three of them now. Um, unfortunately, this this last one was online. I think it was supposed to be in Kansas City, but yeah, being a part of NACE has been an interesting ride. And and I think for full transparency's sake, um, you know, at at one point, uh, I won't speak for Josh, but you know, for for me, I was having doubts about the benefits of NACE. Sure. Um, you know, were they going in the right direction? Were they actually giving enough tangibles in return for the, the membership fee, for example? Because for a lot of these smaller schools, uh, a membership fee of, say, $2,000, $3,000, that is a, a substantial portion of their budget, right? 
Um, so, so NACE has to be able to kind of justify, um, you know, those, those expenditures, those, those costs. But having stuck through it now and, and seen and, and actually been able to be a part of the back end, and that's a benefit to it being in, in a, a membership driven uh, institution or not institution, but association rather, uh, being able to take feedback actually from the members, from other universities, other coaches that are no different from us and actually implement those changes, that's given me a different perspective. Um, and now I definitely have a, a much better kind of appreciation for what NACE does and the potential that, that NACE uh, can bring to the collegiate scene. Um, you know, it, it, in, many, in many ways, it still is the Wild West um, and it probably will be in, in, in many ways for a few more years, but I think organizations like NACE coming in and taking the first steps to try and create those structures um, is the right direction. What about you, Josh? Yeah, um, I won't repeat what Travis says, but I fully echo that message 100%. Um, I think one thing is that NACE, I think, um, has an interesting reputation in that I think some people levy the criticism that they just don't provide enough value for the membership fee. And uh, honestly, I think that's an incredibly valid criticism of NACE right now. But I think NACE has some of the most potential to grow of any group because it's one of the only um, like collegiate organizations, governing bodies that really is led by the member institutions themselves. Um, like all of our leadership um, um, basically guides the direction of where it goes and every leadership group has representation from schools throughout the NACE, um, the, I guess the pool of NACE institutions um, over I think almost 200 now, I think maybe yeah. even more than that at this point. And, uh, and I think that's really special, you know, cause um, like CVOL or RSCA through Riot is an awesome group. Um, the stuff for Collegiate Rocket League is great. The stuff through TESPA is great. But in the end, they all have developers with business models that they have to kind of um, heed to, right? They need to, they're accountable to those people. Maybe those companies even have stockholders, you know, stakeholders in their companies that they need to be accountable to. So in the end, they have to drive some sort of profit, right? Um, where with NACE, it's basically, because it is institution focused and the institutions are the ones working hand in hand with the student and ends up being more student focused. So I think long-term, it's probably gonna be the most sustainable model for collegiate esports, but I can definitely see how short-term, a school has a tight budget. It could be tough to afford those membership fees. I know actually with, with COVID in particular this year, NACE has been willing to waive those fees for schools that couldn't afford it this year um, due to the pandemic. But I think, that having a direct say in how um, the future of collegiate esports is run is really important. And everyone, whether they're a member of a leadership group or just a voting member, which is a member of NACE, has that say, has that input um, and that active communication. So that's been great. Um, a big thing that's been awesome for me is that, and I'm sure Travis has a similar experience in that I've had a lot of experience just on the professional esports side, but much less in terms of the collegiate space. I wasn't a collegiate club leader like a lot of these um, now directors of programs or head coaches of programs are. So being able to connect with those people, um, being able to connect with people who maybe are, have that broadcasting experience has been awesome. And you can connect with those people either way, but NACE has been a great vehicle to just set up the connection from the get-go. And uh, it's been a great learning experience for me. Cool. Um, for those who don't know, just give me a, like a, a high level view of what is NACE so that people can kind of understand what that organization is really doing and trying to do right now. I'll take a stab at it. Um, at a very high level general sense, 
Um, you could compare it to like uh, uh, the NCAA at its infancy, uh, kind of the same principles, same aspirations. They're trying to do kind of two parts. One part is create uh, policies and legislature to help uh, create a, a governing structure for collegiate esports. Uh, obviously, student focused and trying to uh, avoid some of the pitfalls and, and stuff we've seen happen at the professional level, where you know people are mistreated, people don't get paid. Um, workers are, are abused in some certain ways. Uh, so they're trying to make sure from the get-go that the students are treated right and that we're holding them accountable uh, academically, uh, you know, through, through how the school treats them with credit hours and all, you know, all of those things that you would expect uh, from any traditional sport governing body. And then on the other side of it, they're trying to provide competition. They're trying to facilitate tournaments and actual seasons so that these member institutions have something they can compete in, right? Just like you would expect the NCAA has multiple conferences at, you know, multiple divisions and they run championship events and they have a whole structure built out so that the students are able to compete and they get something rewarding and, you know, potentially it leads to something more, right? Whether it be through uh, professional pursuits, of, you know, as a professional athlete or going into the industry with experience as a player. So NACE is, is still at the very, uh, 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 the first steps of this process, but uh, that's kind of, I think, where they're trying to go with it. Cool. Um, so switching gears here a little bit, um, let's talk about the future of esports for the collegiate space. Um, specifically, you know, where do you guys think that the, the next titles will be? Are there any titles that you really like, you think are super interesting? You're like, hey, we're definitely going to invest in this for our program. And I'll let you go first, Josh. Um, I think there's one that's very clear in my mind, um, but I think it also makes sense from a national perspective, and that's Valorant. Um, I think Valorant is a great choice, um, one, because it really hits the FPS market. Um, they've done a, a lot of things in game to kind of make it more marketable in terms of uh, just keeping maybe like the violence a little less realistic than something like Counter-Strike, which I think makes it more marketable to a lot of institutions. Um, and I mean, they're being created by Riot. They have a big focus on esports. Um, they actually just released a press release. I think it was in the last month or so where they kind of outlined their plans for a competitive space. And I think that is a, a clear game moving forward. It's going to do really well. Also, one of the most like illustrious collegiate esports models is the one through Riot Games with League of Legends. Uh, like when you, when you join the space, um, I guess maybe now Rocket League might be up there with League of Legends, but like those are the two games that you hear about that like everyone's playing. They have a whole tournament system in place with different conferences, different ways to qualify, different ways to compete at your own level. And I think um, that with Riot leading the charge with Valorant, while they haven't said what their strategy will be in terms of collegiate yet, I think that has a lot of potential moving forward. Um, I think games that are already big that are going to keep getting bigger, Rocket League, um, I'm sure you could ask almost anybody this and they're going to talk to you about Rocket League. Rocket League is insane. Um, it's been really cool how Psionics has featured them, uh, like the collegiate scene, on their main Rocket League stream. I think just last week, they got like 30,000 concurrent a lot, yeah. throughout like the whole stream, which is amazing to see. Um, again, obviously that has some, like a lot to do with the fact that they were on the main Rocket League channel, but they deserve to be. Why not? Um, like I think that's a great opportunity to show off opportunities for students. Um, I think the game is another game, probably even more so than Counter-Strike in that you can appreciate it at any level. Me, you know, or my grandma or whoever can be like, oh, they scored a goal. That's cool. It's like soccer. Or you can just, you know, again, galaxy brain the game, understand it on a crazy deep strategic level and appreciate it there too. 
So those are probably my two biggest games that I think are either going to be like join the collegiate space in Valorant or just continue to blow up cool. in Rocket League. Any, any difference, Travis, or you, you feel the same way? Uh, not really, not really any difference. And, and in fact, uh, you know, going into the semester, Rocket League was not one of the games I was planning on supporting, mm -hmm. uh, mainly because we, we didn't have, you know, any applications or any interest for it. But, uh, you know, bringing back to that, that example of the students not hearing about it, uh, literally a week before the semester started, I got three applications for Rocket League, just kind of out of the blue, all three separate people. Um, and one of them was like a grand champ and, you know, the other two were, were diamond threes. I'm like, hey, if we got three people, that's all you need. There you go. We can make this work, right? It doesn't really take that much extra on my part and three students get to compete and, and get the experience that. So why not? So, so uh, I kind of am now learning and, and still trying to, to learn more about that space, but absolutely. Uh, in just my short time and learning about the Rocket League collegiate space, it is very well structured. Yeah. Um, Psionics clearly has put a lot of resources into this. There's a, a lots of big discords out there. And uh, I think they're working with play versus as well as NACE now to, to do collegiate qualifiers and the collegiate seasons for Rocket League, which is great. So they've definitely gone um, uh, no holds barred, you know, for collegiate Rocket League, which is great. Um, Valor, on the other hand, uh, that's another game that we're running this semester. And we kind of did it. I wouldn't say it's, it's a, it's a guinea pig or an experiment, but it's kind of that situation with Fortnite where you don't know where it's going to go, but based historically on what Riot's done with League of Legends, they sh you know, we should expect to see um, a collegiate structure built out for Valorant. It's just a question of, I think, when and how it's going to look at this point. Um, so Valorant, uh, I, I agree with Josh. I, I think compared to Counter-Strike, it has more potential specifically in the collegiate scene just because it doesn't have as much graphic violence. The characters are a bit more, you know, cartoony. Um, it has more focus on abilities as to, you know, straight up shooting people with headshots in the head. Uh, so I, I'm excited, like Josh just to see where both of those games in particular go. Cool. Well, uh, so I'm probably going to wrap it up here, but if you guys want to do a final shout out slash where to find you, if, they, if somebody's looking for you, wants to talk to you a little bit more about your program, Josh, I'll let you go first. Um, I would say just DM Ashland Esports on Twitter. Um, I usually check those at least once a week. So I'll, I'll, that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us. Uh, keep up with our team on Twitter, on Instagram, on Twitch. Everything's just Ashland Esports. Um, don't follow me. My tweets are boring. My Instagram posts are boring. Um, uh, shout out to uh, my family who gave a ton of support. Um, they've always supported me in kind of my esports journey and me doing my thing. And uh, shout out to all the, the collegiate esports that we do out there that are putting in the work, um, doing that time for, for, for oftentimes for free, um, just putting in the work to provide great opportunities for students. And uh, thanks for having us on. Of course. Travis, go ahead. Uh, sure. Our social media for the team stuff, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Altamusa Esports as well, uh, including our Twitch. Uh, my Twitter, if you want to follow it, is, is just my name, Travis Yang, all one word. Um, similar to Josh, I just retweet what the main, what our Esports account <laughs> posts. That's pretty much it, I'm going to be honest. Uh, but, but feel free to go follow there. Um, in terms of thanks, you know, I owe a lot to Ashton for, for uh really building me and giving me the experiences to be in this position now. I definitely would not have gotten here uh, without my time in Ashton and with Josh. So um, always thankful to, to him for, for helping with that. Um, thanks for you, to, to you for having us on here. Uh, this is exciting as always. Uh, love talking about collegiate esports. I know we could talk about it for hours, uh, but we won't. So. <laughs> 
Cool. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the SpinCast. Thanks for checking us out. There's a SpinCast every week. So if you're a college out there and you want to get your name uh, to some of our students that are competing in our leagues, make sure you, you know, give me a shout out on Twitter or whatever and hit us up on Stay Plugged In. We're, we love to have more schools. But thanks so much, guys, for, for joining me here today. And that's going to that's gonna do it for this episode. Mm-hmm.